This morning, if you would open your Bibles to Genesis 28, Genesis 28. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the descendants of Abraham, the promise that was given to him, that he would be numbered, his family would be numbered like the sands of the seas. And that he would pass down through generations and all that story of how God worked with him and the promises that he gave to Abraham. We also last week had a chance to look at the story of Jacob and Esau. And we saw the problem that happened when the birthright, the birthright was going and how Jacob and his mother Rebecca had worked and planned and stolen the birthright and gotten the blessing away from Isaac. They tricked him. And when Esau found out about it, how angry he was, we read and talked about that last week. So in chapter 28, I want to pick up the story where we are. And this is Isaac. is an old man. He called Jacob. This is in, and he blessed him. I mean, blessed him. And then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Well, there was a reason. Because the Canaanites were full of idol worship. They were having human sacrifices. When we go, we can take a look and show you where those are human sacrifices, and they were, did all kinds of abominations of the worst kind that we would not mention in polite public. We would not do that. So Isaac said to Jacob, go at once to Padaram, to the house of your mother's father. So he would go all the way to Bethel. He was supposed to go there, Rebekah, the mother, to go back to where um, Isaac had gotten his wife to travel all the way up there, and he'd take a wife for yourself there among, from among the daughters of Laban and your um, mother's brother. And may God mighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land and where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. And so Jacob, he left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He made his way up there. Now this morning, I'm going to do a Reader's Digest condensed version because we're going to make that story go quick or we'd be here all day going through it. So please forgive me for that. You can read this on your own later at your leisure. But here we go. So hang in as we move through this rather quickly. So in chapter 28, verse uh, 10, the F at the end, the F at the end of that means following. Jacob heads out to find a wife. And he's going to make this journey back to where Rebekah's home was, his mother's home, where they practiced and believed in the true God. And so to make that journey, he would have to travel. And if you are working on Beersheba, which is way down here at the bottom, that's where Abraham and Abraham's well is still there and still has water in it. And he had traveled, and that was about up to Megiddo, up here in this area. It's about 600 miles. So I'm estimating that's about uh, 1,500 miles and around, probably close to 1,800 to 2,000 miles. He had to travel to walk to get to the land where Rebekah's father was, and their home was there. So he was on his way, and he was making his wealth. And if you know the story, he was, he was traveling, and he was heading on his way up. He stopped and was sleeping for the night, and he took a rock and used that as a pillow. Maybe you have some of those in your home that you're sleeping with. But he took and made it, and he laid down to sleep. And while he was sleeping, he had a dream, the Bible says, in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. 
And the angels of God were descending and ascending and descending on it. Now, when I was a kid, we grew up singing, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. Do you remember that? We are climbing, every round grows higher, higher. It's interesting as I think about the words of that particular song, that it's, it's fascinating to me that the words did not reflect the real meaning of the story. Sure, they're about Jacob and a ladder and so forth, a theophany that's called. What he had, a theophany, an appearance of God, and Jacob's ladder. But as he looked and saw that, there above it stood the Lord. And the Lord said to him, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and of the God of uh, Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. That promise, then, was passed from Abraham to Isaac, and now it is given to Jacob. And he's been told by this experience, this theophany experience, this appearance of God, he saw this in his vision, his dream, that the land where you're sleeping, even though you think you're a foreigner and all the Canaanites and everything around and all the evil and the idol worship, someday this land will belong to you. And the Lord was promising it to him and giving that to him. So Jacob then continued on his journey. And he made his way on his trip with that assurance in his heart that God was going to give him that land so he could see from Abraham to Isaac and now to him. So eventually he ends up and he makes that trip and he arrives up and there in up to the village and he came to a well and he saw the shepherds out there. And so Jacob asked the shepherds, my brothers, where are you from? And they said, well, we are from Haran, they replied. And he said to them, well, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him, they replied. And then Jacob asked them, is he well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. There they came. And while he was still talking, I'm in verse 9, and while he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, and she was a shepherd. She was a shepherd. Can you imagine that? She was a shepherd. Um, when I was uh, teaching at Bakersfield Academy for uh, teaching Bible, one of the things I had to do was do counseling for students. And then they became into 12th grade, they were supposed to take an aptitude test. And so they took the aptitude test, and I would give the results back to them. And so I'd have the students come in and talk about it, show them the results that they have. So why not have a little fun? So I had a young lady come in, and she was there, and I said, we've gone over your results, and it looks like you'd be perfect to be a shepherd. She said, what? I said, a shepherd. She means taking care of sheep? Yes, we think it would be wonderful. You would have a wonderful... I don't want to be a shepherd. And I said, well, they had lots of people. They've had a great career as a shepherd. I don't want to be... I want to be a nurse. And then I said, oh, well, that's good, because your aptitude test says that would be good to have half that with us, have a lot of fun. Oh, Mr. Bossert, you're just giving me a hassle. Of course I was. Of course I was. So here came Rachel. And when Jacob saw her, saw Rachel, the daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away because it was so big. He rolled it away. The shepherds tend to be children. So he rolled it away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. Got it out there. And then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. Began to weep. Now, I looked for a picture of this, and I thought this was quite outstanding. Look how this uh, Rachel is dressed. 
I tell you, does she look like a shepherd to you? Doesn't that look like a real gown there? Boy, look at that, that you'd wear to a ball or something. But she's out taking care of sheep. Look at that. It's amazing how they used to dress, I suppose. Well, later as they came out, she took him to her father's house, and he was there, and there was lots of la-la-la-la-la, happy, happy, happy experience, big feasts, etc., etc., for him to come and visit. And the Bible says then after a month, after a month, he stayed with him that whole month. And finally, in verse 15 of chapter 29, Laban says to him, just because you are a relative of mine, you should work for me for nothing. Now, tell me what your wages should be. So he's asking him that. And Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you seven years and return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Oh, he would work for seven years to do that. Now, that was a common thing that a man would do to labor for the father of his bride that he wished, and then he would kind of earn to his way and to help them out. So that was not uncommon, but for seven years, he would work for seven years for her hand. So Jacob served, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Because of his lover, and that made me think of this. When a man loves a woman, isn't it? Can't eagle his mind on anything else. Isn't that, isn't that right? Isn't that right, Peter? Yes, when a man loves a woman, you can't, it just, I'm not tell you, time just flies by, and you're just, wow, nothing, the whole world. So, yes, happens with that. So, what happened then is Laban, he says, all right, so he organizes the wedding. They have a big thing, they gather all the friends in, they have a big feast, they get everybody all dressed and everything. Everything is great. Oh, Jacob is really looking forward to this moment when he's going to have Rachel as his wife, and he's very excited about it. And so Laban tragically tricks Jacob and gives him Leah, the older sister, instead, who the Bible says had weak eyes. I don't know what that meant, but anyway evidently not as attractive as Rachel. And so he passed off his older daughter because he thought, I'll never get rid of her. So he hid her and dressed her all up so she wouldn't see him, passed her off to Jacob. And Jacob then thought he had married Rachel but ended up with Leah. What could possibly go wrong with that? So he once said, you trip. You see, the deceiver got deceived. Say that. <laughs> the deceiver got deceived. He got tricked. So he worked seven more years for Rachel. Seven more years. He was told by her, you have to do that. So now he's 14 years, seven years for Leah and seven years for Rachel. And he worked that through. Why? Because when a man loves a woman, he'll do that. And so he worked for seven years to, to add another 14 years to get there. But the Bible says that Jacob loved Rachel, but not Leah. Not Leah. Do you think that would be a problem? in family relationships. I'm telling you, guys, if you're thinking about taking a second wife, think twice. Think twice about it. It evidently does not work out as smoothly as you might think. 
Have you watched that on television? You know, my sister brides and those kind of things. They have lots of comma, uh, lots of drama in their uh, in their family. So next up comes chapter thirty, which deals with the begats and the children of Jacob. You can read that on your own. We're not going to spend time on that. We're just going to skip right through. And please turn to chapter 32. We're going to skip right through there. There's a lot to deal with the flocking and, and leaving Laban and all kinds of things, but we're going to skip to chapter 32, if you would. Okay, so now comes the time. He's got his family. He's got his kids. He's got 11 of the sons. He's got his two wives. He's got his two female servants, which were providing children for him, and he decided it's time to head home, back to where he was going to go. And so he makes, starts making that journey in chapter 32, and you can read it up, we're going to pick up, because he was on his way home, and he was going to meet Esau. Going to find, tracking to find Esau. He would have to pass through where Esau was. So Jacob, in preparing, sent messengers ahead, of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom. Red, remember? Edom. And he instructed them, this is what you are to say to my Lord, to my Lord, to my Lord Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and remain there until now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep, and goats, male and female servants. Now I'm sending you this message to my Lord that I might find favor in your eyes. Because he knew Esau would kill him. He knew that. And when the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. Now, it's not really shared that much in the Bible text. But if you read between the lines, you can see there's a lot of fear. Because Jacob is going back to where his, he's going back home, he's traveling back home. But in order to do that, he has to meet his brother. And he has no idea whether he will live through that experience. And Esau has 400 men headed his way. He's got children and flocks and servants. He's extremely vulnerable. And here comes Esau, his brother, who vowed to kill him. Remember that from last week? So Jacob, he said, the Bible says, he prepared gifts for Esau, all kinds of gifts. And makes that way. But an interesting thing happens. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jacob River. And after he had sent them across the stream, he said uh, he sent them over all his possessions. So then Jacob remained alone. He remained alone. We believe that implication is he remained alone to pray. Because he knew this was serious. His life could be over. And during that time, a man 
grabbed a hold of him and wrestled with him until daybreak, the Bible says. A man grabbed him and wrestled with him. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. Now, what happened was that as Jacob was fighting for his life, and he knew that he was going to be lost, and he had to fight. This was a fight of his life. And they went on and on and on as they wrestled there. Can you imagine this? These two men in the dark, not knowing what's going on. It went on and on and on. And the man would not give up. And Jacob would not give up because he knew he'd die. And then the man just touched his hip. Just touched his hip. And his hip was wrenched as they wrestled with the man. And he now was crippled and in pain. And then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, but Jacob, well, excuse me, I can go back. But Jacob replied, not until you bless me. In Hosea, it says, he wept and begged for his favor. That's how Hosea, the prophet Hosea, talked about He wept and begged for his favor. Hip damage, he can't move. He sensed that something more powerful than an ordinary man was there. He sensed that there somehow something was happening and that there he was wrestling with a power more powerful than him, but the match appeared to be even. Patriarchs of Providence says, it was Christ, the angel of the covenant, who revealed himself to Jacob. It was Christ who was there wrestling with him. Another theophany, another appearance of God, and he was wrestling with him. And then the man asked him, what is your name? Do you think Christ knew who he was? But here's very important that you catch this. Very important. When he asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. In Bible times, the name carried meaning. And if you were before, you will remember that the meaning of the name Jacob was deceiver. He was a deceiver. So when Christ, when he was wrestling with him, he said, what is your name? He said to him, my name is Jacob. My name is deceiver. He had to share. He was asking for favor. But he had to reveal his character, who he was. And it was obvious in his heart, the pain that he's saying in his heart, I am the deceiver. And you know that. And then Christ said, then the man said to him, your name will no longer be Jacob. Your name will no longer be deceiver, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have done what? Have overcome. You've struggled with him and have overcome. The Lord gave to that deceiver, to Jacob. He said, no longer are you going to be called deceiver. Now you're going to be Israel. I'm giving you a new name. You will be known to God as Israel from now on, not Jacob. So something happened in that journey 
that he was making on his way back with his family as he's facing death, as he's facing the uncertainty if he's going to go past Esau and not lose his life. And he gets into this struggle in the night, and he's fighting for his life, and he's going back and forth, and then Christ touches him on the hip, and he's now broken, and he's, he's struggling, and he begs him, please, please bless me before you leave. And he asks, what's your name? Well, my name is Deceiver. Christ knew his name was Deceiver. Christ knew the whole story. Because repentance had come. You have struggled with God and with humans and overcome. You have repented. You will no longer be called deceiver. No longer. You know, in Revelation chapter 3, it says to us, the one who is victorious, I will write on them the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. To those who are victorious, I will write on them my name. Child of God. No matter if you've been a deceiver, Jacob, no matter if you've been just a wretched person who's been deceiving and who's lived that kind of life of lying and deceiving, from now on, because you have repented, your name is changed, and I'm placing on you the name of Israel. You will be the father of the nations and of the sons that you will have, and you, Israel, will come from you, and I'm giving you the promise to you because I'm fulfilling my promise to you because in you, you have repented. And you, you are different. James, now turn to chapter 33, would you? Chapter 33. So Esau was very near. Esau was very near. And Jacob looked up, and there, there was Esau, coming with his 400 men. So he divided, he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants, and he put the female servants and their children in front, and then Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear because he loved Rachel and wanted to save her. But he himself, the Bible says, he himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck, kissed him, and they wept. Because he was forgiven. 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 He was forgiven. I found this story really stunning. Because it shares with us, no matter, no matter what may be in our background, no matter what kind of things that we keep hidden, no matter what kind of labels people may have put on us, and you may be carrying a label on yourself on your back for all your life, Labels. We call her Rachel the what? Rachel the harlot, don't we? Rahab, excuse me. Rahab the harlot. 
She wore that. That's how we identify her. Oh, Rahab the harlot. That's how we identify her. You know, in heaven, she's not called Rahab the harlot. In heaven, she's prince of God. Princess of God. Because she became a princess in Israel. Because when God came into life, she repented. She turned from her way. Everything changed. And a new identity given. So Jacob... Bless his heart, Jacob. Can you imagine the relief as he's embraced in his brother? His brother came to him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And they wept. Because God loved Jacob. God loved Jacob. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Jacob knew God loved him. I know God loves me. Because the Bible tells me so. And whatever mistakes, errors, sinful things happened because of my own foolishness, willful way, sinful human life, Christ reaches out and says, I love you, and I'm going to give you a new name where you won't have to live with that regret in your heart. What about you? Some of you may think you're carrying labels on your back as well. Feeling pain. You've been hurt. You've hurt others. You know that Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells you so. That when you come to him, he takes off the old label and writes his known name on your heart. Why go on any longer? Not being free. Mm -hmm. And just like Jacob, he wrestled with God. Perhaps, perhaps, you need to have that wrestling with him as well. So that you can be free. So that you know that you are loved in spite of your life. That you've lived. And that you can grow and be happy in him. Dear Lord, I thank you for that story of Jacob. It's huge. It's so full of your grace. It's so full of your forgiveness. 
It's so full of changing in Jacob's life. Lord, it's powerful. But the story applies when it comes to us as well. That we too, like Jacob, have labels, know what's in our own heart. That you have come and say, I am not calling you and taking off your label. And to put my own name there, you are my child. Repentance and forgiveness for the way of your cross leads home. Thanking you for loving us, for the Bible tells us so. By his blood and by his name, amen.